0: You're listening to Tavern Talks, a revolutionary podcast from Francis Tavern Museum. I'm Allie, Communications and Marketing Manager. And I'm Mary, Education and Public Programs Coordinator. Today, we're revisiting our very first episode, which is an interview with historian and George Washington reenactor Dan Shippey. Dan portrays
1: General Washington here during our Francis Tavern Museum farewell reenactments on December 4th. He was a historical advisor on turn for Ian Kahn, who played General Washington. And he's the founder of the Breed's Hill Institute, an organization that fosters discovery of the revolutionary ideas of the
0: American founding
1: through entertainment, education, and community projects.
0: Each year at Francis Tavern Museum, we reenact George Washington's emotional farewell to his officers, which happened on December 4th, 1783.
1: This year, due to COVID-19, we're bringing Washington's Farewell to you. Dan is joined by Bo Robbins, playing Colonel Benjamin Talmadge, and Michael Funk, playing General Henry Knox in Francis Tavern Museum's first ever digitally produced farewell.
0: The film, Washington's Farewell, premieres on Friday, December 4th at 6.30 p.m. On this episode of Tavern Talks, Mary and Dan discuss the ins and outs of portraying General Washington, Francis Tavern's role during the Revolutionary War, and what it really means to be in the room where it happened. Okay, so tell us a little
2: about yourself. Let's see, the short story would be I was born in Southern California, still live in Southern California. have worked in entertainment, have worked in education. I started working in commercial film when I was 18 years old. And I remember the last day I worked in commercial film, uh, a man came up to me and said, Have you seen a 40-foot alien pod? And you know, I looked at him and I said, "No, I, I don't think I have today." And that wasn't the strangest question I'd ever had out there. But you know, as as I was leaving the lot that day, I literally saw a forty foot alien pod on the back of a flatbed truck turn and go up Sunset Boulevard, and I'm like, "Do
1: you know what they were filming?" Before? I have
2: no idea what they were still filming. Still to this day, still, yeah, no idea. But but it's one of those. I went, "Huh?" There it is. And so that was it. Was a good good exit from from that. Um, How
1: did you fall into Washington? And yeah, I mean, that becoming is becoming Washington essentially
2: it was kind of a weird thing after uh, after 9 eleven I started kind of on a a quest to ask myself and, and you got to remember here i'm I'm talking to you in the in the financial district basically of, of New York uh, where 9 eleven is very present every
1: day yeah. and
2: here I was on the other side of the country and so everything we watched was literally you know on a screen and I think you'd be shocked if you could have seen how the impact was even that far away even that remotely but I, I kind of went on a thing because at, right after that, you know, there was this big national unity and everyone agreed on everything and we all loved each other in Kumbaya, etc. cetera. But um, I kind of went into that moment of going, this this isn't going to last because, you know, there's there's big differences in, in, in opinions and how we face things. And, and I said, you know, what, what do we actually have in common? And at some point I said, you know, whether or not you just arrived in the United States and, and are, are looking to become a citizen, or wh- whether you were born here, everybody owns the American origin story. So I started to get into the question of, well, what does that mean? What, what do we mean when we talk about being American? And I started to research history that I pretty much ignored when I was younger. I, I remember specifically the day I checked out of history. I was in junior high. I saw this amazing picture in my history book of a knight on horseback, and it said the medieval era and i said oh i gotta know about that and it was a paragraph long of the most boring i think and i come to think about the feudal system and it was a paragraph it was boring as all heck and then it was on to the next thing that was it and i went this is dumb this is lame push it aside wasn't really interested uh sometime in a college course i took a class called uh history as biography and i went Bam! This is fascinating. Why? Why isn't history interesting? And then at that point, as I was talking about, I started educating myself about the founding, and I started an organization to teach the founding because I said people don't know this. I didn't know this. How, how did we all miss these great stories? That, that these stories belong to us. Why are we missing this? Amazing people, amazing things.
1: Because there really is so much.
2: There's a ton. I mean, and, there, and there's stuff that even when you get into it, it's like there's so much still to be researched, to be done, stories to be told. Yeah. So I started looking for ways to tell those stories and that the organization was called the Breed's Hill Institute. And and that was a, a lesson in marketing that I've learned because uh, <laughs> you know it, it was very funny because I thought, well, you know, everyone thinks the Battle of Bunker Hill was on Bunker Hill, but it happened on Breed's Hill. That's like one of those great first talking points. Why are you called the, the Breed's Hill Institute? Very quickly, I've, I've learned that uh, the Breed family will be calling you <laughs> because they'll they'll want to know if you have more information on their family and people from Boston asking for tourism information regularly and i said which is this fair. this yeah which is fair <laughs> which is fair and i so you know who knows what i would name it if i was going to go back and do it again today but you know uh, as as time was going by i, I fell in love with first person historical interpretation because i saw i saw how effective it was oh, yeah. mean, people were able to be taught so much so quickly and they engaged and when they asked the questions and got answers back or when they got their hands on things, they, there was a new level
1: yeah. of learning. Yeah. yeah.
2: And so I started asking people, okay, if you can see anyone, if you could talk to anyone from the era, who would you talk to? And uh, time and time again, people said Washington. I said, that's great. I'll, I'll have to look and see if I can find someone to portray Washington. And I'm growing my hair out long, you know, which I'm not a long hair guy, but suddenly I'm growing my hair long, so I can I can be 18th century. And someone says, well, you know, you've got a real Washington thing going on. I said, what are you talking about? They said. You're tall. I said, yeah, okay, so have you seen your nose? Uh, <laughs> uh, I hadn't thought about it much, but uh, they said, no, you've got a washing thing going on. I said, yeah, that, that'd be tough. They said, that, that's who we want to see. And so I started the research, and I don't think anyone starts any project realizing how much, how big the project will be. No. But um,
1: In a museum world, too, no. Yeah,
2: my you friend, never realized. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> you never realize. Um And if you did, I don't think you'd start, so I think it's fair. I think it's, I think it's a, a human trait. To not understand how 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 hard anything is going to be, and that's why we try it.
1: That's the fun of it.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> and then you find out, you know, okay, this was really really tough, but, you know, it becomes really worth it. My friend Dean Melissa, who of course is the uh, famous for being the Washington for you know a, a many many more than a decade for I think now to about sixteen years at uh, at Mount Vernon. He said, you know, the the good news is is you've begun. Yeah. The bad news is this road never ends. Oh, no. And it's true. You know, I will never be done learning about Washington. You think about how many people you know in your life. You think about how many connections, how many things brought you to the point you're at today. And there's still so much to go. And so when you're looking at someone's life, trying to learn someone else's entire life, and some of that is going to be in gaps. I mean we're we're really lucky with Washington, hugely documented life. There's some other people's stories that it's like how can we be missing this person's story but if they didn't leave uh, you know.
1: Look at Samuel Francis's yeah,
2: life. Right? How can that be such we a big gap? A,
1: we live in a dark cloud of yeah. just mystery every single day. Right.
2: And yet people, you know, hear these he interacted with incredibly so famous Washington people. Stewart. Yeah. This
1: was a at man around point, right? Washington. Who owned several very successful taverns in New York City and, and in Philadelphia. Yeah. And was we, very
2: respected. We
1: have no idea the year he was born. Yeah.
2: Which is crazy. Yeah. Or where, yeah. really, right? Have, I mean, you've got we, an idea of the general area, but not...
1: We know that he came to New York City. We know that he opened up a tavern two years later. Yeah. There's a gap between those two years where he did nothing accordingly. To <laughs> so we have right. no information hmm. about any of it. and We're just... We're sitting here at a museum just trying to put together those pieces. Right. So when you have figures like Washington that are so heavily documented, right. you're just like, I wish I had a little bit of that, right. too. <laughs> right,
2: right. And, and, you know, even if you had a couple letters, it would fill out so much.
1: Slowly but surely, we're discovering one yeah. or two. We have a letter from Samuel Francis written to Washington. Oh, wow. After the farewell. And that's in the oh, Library of Congress. Wow. Yeah, okay. we have that. So we were we were just like... Pigs rolling around in, right. in mud, going, "This is amazing." Thank you, finally. Yeah, you know, we're, we're literally every twenty years we get like <laughs> a sprinkle of something.
2: Every twenty years, ow.
1: Yeah,
2: that's uh, a <laughs> that's a long gestation period. Yeah, you know that that's one of those challenges that it's like, how do you even begin to to crack that and overcome? Where else can we find? You know, where will the next piece come from?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And and with Washington, it's like it's it's actually kind of the opposite problem in some ways because you're drinking from the fire hose. It's like. I have every letter that he wrote to Congress. I have every letter, you know, he wrote um, to, to specific members of Congress or to different officers. It's a lot to keep in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and we will get people that will, will come up that, as I always tell people, that nobody comes looking to talk to Dan, which is good because...
1: I'm I, here to talk to Dan. I, it's very nice <laughs> that you know, It's very nice to talk to. Do you find it's hard to turn the Washington switch off?
2: No, no, because actually, Washington is work, always for me.
1: Always?
2: I'm, as you can tell, way chatty. Yeah. I consider myself to be a person who approaches life with a lot of humor. Washington's far, far more stoic. Now I do insert a little humor into him. I was going to
1: say, you made some jokes
2: yesterday. But if you notice, they're never like overt jokes. They're just things that I can say that are funny because people know it's Washington. (laughs) You know, it's like, oh yeah, but uh," you know, for instance, yesterday, I said, uh, I told my wife I would be home. For Christmas some eight years ago and you know and people really laugh at that but you know that's that's just the fact of
1: that is one of my favorite things yeah, to talk about yeah. for the farewell because when the when the kids come in or when our adults come in they say you know what happened after and I was like he went home he promised his wife yeah. that he was going to be home for Christmas that's adorable yeah because it, it the event truly in a way humanizes these men and yes. oh, you know yeah. you have Knox and you have Washington these huge giant generals right. crying and right. It really breaks down this masculine, you know, yes. this fold well, in front of you. It wasn't just yeah. a guy in the painting; it was right. these humans, you know. And even as a, as a
2: more stoic character, you know, when you read letters in the era, they're incredibly warm towards each other. Yeah, the this love is, and affection I bear towards you. Yeah, that was true
1: brotherhood.
2: Yeah, and and they, you know, again, eight years of war. Yeah. And when I think about what happened in that long room, and he's looking around, seeing these are the people who are left.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Look at how many we lost either they've retired or they've passed away yeah. or you know they've they've gone back to other things
1: and like hamilton hamilton yeah. wasn't in the room right. when most people expected him right. to be in the room he right. wasn't there should
2: have been in a lot of ways yeah you know and and so here he's looking around at these spaces and he thinks because by 18th century standards you're never going to see these people again no there's no reason to think i'm going to see these people again And so you're looking around going after eight years of bleeding together of, of of suffering together of going through never knowing if we're actually going to see this thing through it's if it's going to win and saying this is this is how I'm going to take my leave of you yeah. that, and that's to me that, that emotional impact all these men you know it's like yeah that's the human you know the paintings can't give us Yeah,
1: the French soldiers were going back and they were going to start a revolution essentially in a right. couple of years Kos- yeah. Kosciuszko was going to go back to Poland he was fighting for peasants rights and Jewish rights right he would. I mean, they took the ideals that they have fought for, never going to see each other yeah. again, and getting and just going to fight again. It's easier to connect with the adults on that level, yeah. but having the kids truly understand there's no right. Wi-Fi. Right, right. You're literally writing a note. Yeah, if the yeah. wind is right, maybe your little letter, letter will get Might to somebody get right. in like six months.
2: Right. You know, and that's big that,
1: shoes to fill. It,
2: oh my gosh, you feel the <laughs> weight of it. And that's one of the things that um, you know, like yesterday when we were reenacting the the tavern or the the long room specifically there was a a moment when i'm I'm working my way down the line and the lady here i can tell she's overwhelmed with emotion and i try and stop everyone i look at you know i i look at them and try and say with my eyes what we've seen Mm -hmm. the things we've seen together what we've been through so that everyone is getting that experience of actually being in that moment and she's you know very impacted by it but then i got to her husband and there are tears running down his oh. face. And it's everything I can do not to just bust out bawling my eyes out there myself. Yeah. You know, uh, even now I'm getting a little weepy about it. Because, you know, for them, for that moment, they're looking at Washington. Yeah. And that's more than, than big boots to fill. That's, you know, that's, that's a responsibility that I take incredibly seriously. I want to disappear at that moment. I right. want to be for them that so that they can touch that history, so they can have that moment, that connection. Because, again, it's their it's their history.
1: Yeah. It's accessibility to their history, I yeah. think, is the bigger kind of crutch on that. Yeah. Sometimes it feels very stuffy and it doesn't feel very real until right. you have a reenactment and you have these people come in and talk to you as if they are those people. And it right. does make a big impact. We have a, a docent who has her own colonial wear, who comes in and she greets the children as they come into the flag gallery in the mornings and they, they see the flag gallery and then they see Anne dressed, dressed up and they're like, oh my God, this is so cool. And I'm like, keep that momentum. Keep it going, yeah, keep it going because right. I'm just wearing jeans. Right. Keep it going.
2: <laughs> but yeah, it's, it is, it's heady stuff. I do know a few Washingtons out there that are all about them. They love the praise. I let the praise roll right past me as far as it's not because I know it's, it has nothing to do with me. Yeah, it has everything to do with what they he think did, speaking to, right? Yeah, what 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 the general did and who he was. But like I say, I feel that weight every time I put on the coat, and I feel that responsibility. So it's always let me push Dan as far away as I can, only keeping him close enough to make sure that I'm still keeping uh, the interactivity, you know, and the connection. Because I that's where the interpretation comes in, where right. it's no longer. You can't be Washington, Yeah. but I can be the intermediary. I can speak for him. And there will be some translation because there are more than 200 years separating us and language differences and cultural differences. You still want to be able to uh, make sure that you you don't alienate them. I feel that I have to be the translator so that we get the, the cultural difference.
1: No I pressure. Try, I'm
2: trying not. Yeah, I know. No it, pressure. I, it is. It is. But, but I feel. You know. You can tell. I'm. I'm. I'm very happy today, because
1: it's the first time I've never seen you in costume. Yeah.
2: Right. It's. It, it is. It's, it's, you it's know. Wild. It is very different. Yeah.
1: I don't actually see you weaving between the general and Dan. I yeah, think, yeah. I think yeah. I just have just Dan have here with yeah. me today. Yeah. There's,
2: yeah. Because like I said, the general has to be put on. One of the reasons I'm so happy today is that. I felt we made some good connections yesterday. I felt we we saw some people who were were truly moved, some people who were truly touched, some people who learned things. Oh yeah. You know, we definitely saw people gain insight. Extra Uh, kids this year, I
1: think. There were
2: some extra kids this year. That that was that was always always good. I had one kid that was too shy to shake my hand. That's that's all right. You hope they walked away with something. Yeah.
1: You hope. You always thought I mean that's my ultimate goal for any time I do any kind of programming here in any capacity. I'm like, at least if you walked away with like one thing new, right? I'm good to go. My job is done. I can check right. that off my list.
2: In fact, yesterday, after we were um, all done, we were leaving, there was a man, and as I was walking down the stairs, I see him reach around the corner and try and take a picture of me. And I said, may I be of some service to you, sir? <laughs> and he said, are you George? <laughs> and I said, well, it, that is my Christian name, sir. Have we met before that you... Called me thus, and he, he says, he says, No, we've never met, but we've got the same birthday. Oh. And I said, Indeed, sir. Would that be right. February 11th or February the 22nd? And he said, <laughs> Well, how would you have two? <laughs> and so, it, you know, I got to explain moment. to him, yeah, exactly. yeah, I got to explain to him about how we went from the Julian to the Gregorian calendar, and that added 11 days, and it moved the new year so that even the year of my, my birth had changed. And he's all, I never knew that, but I'm February twenty second. I said, "Well, indeed, sir. I celebrate both, so you may as well." <laughs> and uh, you know, it, this guy was not even part of the day. He had not even been. Yeah, he had you were not on been your in the way out. Room. I was going home, you know, and so it was. It was just a great time because you know it's like one of those. Yep, I got to throw one more bit out. I got to do one more bit of education. I got to interact with one more person. Yeah. And you know, that's the takeaway win all the way.
1: Definitely. So this was your third year yeah. reenacting our Washington's farewell for the museum.
2: I know. And do you want to know, this is this is funny, because if I have the honor of being back next year... Always. I will be the same exact age as Washington when he said his farewell. Wow. I will be on that year. And Should I've we get aging- a cake. I'm
1: always, I'm always looking for an excuse to get a cake. Well,
2: then I think a cake is, is necessary. Absolutely, it'll be contractual right there. I must have a cake, but it's uh, you're
1: really gonna truly be it. You're gonna be
2: it, yeah, it's, it's gonna be fun. And I've I started playing Washington as General Washington a few years before I was old enough to, and then I've aged with him. So I've always you know kept up, kept current. And then, uh, when the opportunity to do this came, I jumped ahead. You know, my education started making sure that I had more information. I of course have some information beyond my years, but I haven't been as fully deep mm-hmm. in the years after the age I'm at. You know, I keep going. Wow, you know, I'm down to my last year of war. You know, coming to the what last are you year of war, do? right? How do you how do you do this in the last year of war? He's already received the letter suggesting that he should be a king. So the general's still sputtering about that a bit.
1: Do you think you want to
2: be Washington as president? Oh, I, I'll absolutely be doing that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, what's interesting is just think about how long that gap is. Yeah.
1: You
2: know, Most so, people
1: don't realize how big that gap yeah, is either. I
2: could be Washington the farmer for a few years here.
1: Oh, so, we haven't seen that one. Right?
2: Like I say, if I get to do it next year, it'll be very fun because I'll know that I'm actually at the year. And and Kelly and I actually have the same number of years of marriage as the Washingtons. See, it was episode. kismet.
1: It was meant it to really be. It really is.
2: And, you know, she's, she's just about the same exact height as Martha. And I'm just about the same exact height as Washington. We've got the same separation distance. You know, she tugs on my lapels to make me listen to her just like show. We
1: she, did catch that yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> we did. We did kind of go, oh, my God. We did our little oohs and our little ahs <laughs> yesterday. She was just kind of like tidying you up. In, oh, in, yeah. In full Martha Washington costume. Oh, yes. Costume. In, in
2: Martha mode.
1: <laughs> yeah. It yeah. was quite adorable. It was... So. It, the thing I love, I think, the most is the fact that you guys like each other, oh my gosh! Yeah. do I think the Washingtons liked each other. Yeah. It's just, it's nice Well, to yeah,
2: see. it was, you know, that's one of those things, too. You hear, so there's this myth that's built up over time. A couple of myths, really. One is that, like, Washington's mother was crazy. And it's like, look, she was a piece of work. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But she wasn't crazy. And
1: protective I think is the better word.
2: Protective parts, but she was demanding. And was their relationship difficult? I kind of whenever anyone says was their relationship difficult, I kind of ask, do you have a mother?
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> is just, your relationship with it, your mother always perfect?
2: You know, I I I think anyone who's had a mother who's a strong woman and Mary Ball was a strong woman. Oh yeah,
1: for everything that she overcame, definitely. <sighs>
2: yes. And so, you know, she was a strong woman. Anyone who's got a mother who is a strong woman they, no, was, they, there's been some issues at some point and then uh, you know he married a strong woman yeah and he respected strong women yeah and so you know the Martha relationship I think a lot of people imagine that he married her for his, her money and you know what I'm sure that was an enticement for a lot of people and I'm sure Washington didn't look at it and go that's a losing situation you know yeah. you know was she, she was bonus. she was wealthy but there's no way. I mean, she did not have to marry him at all.
1: No, I always tell people that she married down. She did. Very much. She did. And they always kind of look at me, and I was like, you have to remember, in this relationship, Martha Washing, well, Martha Custis at yeah. this point, didn't need a husband nope. she was fine and she took him she had on. more
2: power yeah as a widow
1: yeah but it's weird in history when you talk to people they think that you know it's but, always yeah. george and it's like no 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 no, no. take that step back and realize that for the first yeah. time in a while you have a woman who's more in power especially during this time yeah
2: she because once she's she's a, a widow she has run of her farms and her business and the laws would more lean towards her new husband once she got married in fact, that's one of the reasons I believe that Mary Ball never got remarried. Yeah, it was because she refused to let another man
1: yeah.
2: have control of uh, Which is understandable. Her, her sons and her, her daughter's yeah. future. Martha, she had her options. She liked him. They, they. I mean, he refers to her as worthy partner. And if you see some of the other correspondence that we, we have surviving, to theirs, not much. Mm-hmm. But then we have correspondence with other people. That are talking about their relationship, what yeah. they see, or Martha's talking to someone else about what the general and she were talking about. And it's like he he confided in her, he yeah. trusted in her, he respected her and her opinion. It is a shame that we don't know and have more of what they wrote to each other, but we do have a good bunch of correspondence that she wrote to other people right. that people yeah. saved. And so I've got a a friend, Dr. Lynn Price, over at the Washington Papers that has spent a good deal of time in the last few years putting the Martha Washington letters together.
1: That's wonderful. And
2: it's soon to be published. That's
1: incredible. Um, I will be getting my hands all over that. Totally. It's available. That's totally Because,
2: again, that's such insight into understanding who these people were.
1: What do you feel, how do you feel, excuse me, about being in the same room repeating the same lines as Washington?
2: Oh, my gosh. Uh, When I look around that table, I'm feeling it. With a couple of people, uh, well, a couple different kinds of people. First of all, I'm seeing the officers that were there, because that's important. But I've added in a few faces, some faces of people we didn't know. Uh, a couple years ago, uh, be- before the, the first time that I did this, I had a friend that was um, talking about bringing his his wife to New York to see me, and uh, he passed away just before. So, and he was someone who had supported what I was doing as Washington. And he's, so he's one of the faces I see there too. But, um, you know, and, and other people that I know have, have given service because I some of the officers who we don't know what their faces look like, mm-hmm. I put in those people so that I have that extra as I'm looking around of, of knowing what I'm looking at. It's an
1: overwhelming feeling.
2: It so. is. It yeah. is. And that, you know, knowing, you know, like, like he's, he's looking at these people, he's not going to see them again. And he knows what they've given, the service that they've given. So you feel all that wash over you in that room. You just you know you know that room was used so many other times, but this, this this one moment in time, this space that you know saw this gathering, this once in history gathering, you feel the weight of it and, and you let it wash over you. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm standing and looking out the window when people come into the room and I'm trying to, you know, get collected. And I just don't see the street that's really down below, you know. I see what was there. Yeah,
1: totally different.
2: That world that was there, it chokes me up. I get pretty uh, emotional about it, which makes it easy...
1: To get into character. To,
2: to, to be in that moment and give those words. But it, it's, always, it's always heady. And, yeah, it's like all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm there.
1: Yeah.
2: I'm there. Yeah, and
1: my only rule is don't break anything.
2: Yes, <laughs> and, 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 and thankfully we haven't.
1: <laughs> I think reading the the Talmadge memoirs oh, with yeah. the scene really does help yeah. the visitors understand more of what's going yeah. on. Because I can only do so much in a two-second right. introduction. Right. Whereas Talmadge is reenacting himself, writing that memoir, and you turn around and you, yeah. you like light up even more of what was going on and what you said. Right. And it, it's always wild to me that we only have just that one most likely, probably yeah. accurate, Again. Yeah. Depiction of what happened. But I mean, even the Talmadge memoirs were written many years after.
2: Yes. And we do talk about memory creep, you know, that as time goes by, we remember things slightly differently. Yeah. A great example, actually, for me is nine yeah. eleven. Because I can, I watch the video now or the playback and they say this happened at this time, this happened at this time. It's in different orders in my mind. I remember it different, but I know that they're right because they've got, they've the, got the, time the time stamp time on it. Yeah. And I think, gosh, you know, how much more when you live in an era where there was no playback
1: how much yeah my i mean it's not as dramatic but i usually ask the kids that come in you know what did you have for lunch last tuesday right you know where were you sitting what were you eating do you remember any of those details and they kind of like have to stop and take that step back and i was you know i said it's great that we have this but take that step back remember he wrote this many years after right he has to recall do you think that he maybe made himself a little bit more important do you think he took a step back well, you know, yeah, see the one who gave Washington his cup.
2: It's it's a fascinating. It's as short as it is. Yeah, you get the idea. Of some pretty wild adventures in there. Yeah.
1: that memoir is the only reason we have the museum today to yeah. back up any of those claims. Fifty four Pearl Street has has seen some stuff in history. Right. It, it, Washington's farewell, I think, is the top of the pyramid of things that have happened because it's a Washington thing. Right. It's where he came. You know, it's like an Edgar Allan Poe house. Right. He came here, he was birthed in 17 different locations, he ate here, he did all these things. It's like, <laughs> if it's got a Washington stamp on right, it, you right. have to investigate it and make right. sure that it's accurate as possible.
2: Yeah, and in, in the, the history that's, you know, in this part of New York from that era...
1: Is unseen. Yeah. Is unseen. Yeah. And so many plaques in downtown New York.
2: Right, and but what's funny to me is how many times I'll, I'll run across people who will say, you know, well, does, does any of that really matter? Oh, yes, it's like, you know, these are things that defined and, and led to who we are. Yeah. Just like there's things in your past that made you the Mary you are today that yeah. could happen a little different. It, you couldn't be the person you are today. I'm
1: a very big supporter of things all kind of happen for a reason, and sometimes I'm in not control of it, and sometimes I'm slightly in control of it, but mostly not in control of it. <laughs> yeah. It's a very humbling uh, experience.
2: It is, it is. And I think that the and that's that's one of the amazing things about this place and this museum. You know, you recognize that the lives have passed through here have
1: I talk you know, about that constantly of just especially when I was going through and making the architecture tour for the, the building's three hundredth anniversary. Right. You know, fifty four Pearl Street is three hundred years old. It's crazy. This is you know, me going back to the minutes from the early sixteen eighties of well, I wanna buy I wanna buy this lot of land. I have to fill it in because we're on water. We're on we're on landfill. And you think about it that way. And you think about you know, we talk about Washington coming and giving us farewell, but this was a tavern every other day of the week. Right. So Francis opened those doors; and people were coming house in before, here. Right? It was a Delanc- they never. We have no proof they even lived in this place. Really? Yeah, they built it. They had their residence over on Wall Street. Right. By the time it was built, they didn't like where the neighborhood had come because it was literally just ships outside and oh, merchants, which was perfect for a tavern. But I mean, the wealth of the, the delanceys right, right, they right, didn't, right. and the Van Corlins, they didn't want to be here. So you, you have to talk about people who have come through this door on a regular basis. You know, somebody was coming to get their mail, have the, the broadsides come in. The Stamp Act has been passed. Right. The T-Act has been passed. You have right. a shipment coming in. You even want to find out what time it is and have, you know, some playing cards and some gambling. And you have to think about it that way. And it's,
2: There's, yeah. You
1: know, I am not the first person to unlock no. that door in the morning. And right. I am not going to be the last.
2: Right. Yeah. I am
1: just this tiny staffer in this I, museum I, that I wasn't always here. here.
2: I get to be here at this time in this place, but but this place will continue.
1: This place continues with and without Mm -hmm. me. You really, I mean, it was very overwhelming when you learned 300 years of that history at some point in time and you're like, okay, so me and my pen and paper are nothing. (laughs) Probably somebody will read this tour in a half, you know, in a half a century and it will still exist.
2: Yeah. As as they say, the powerful play (laughs) goes on and you can contribute a verse.
1: We have this tiny little building that stands around all of these skyscrapers. Yeah. And we're we're still going. We're still kicking. We've got our retaining wall from from the 1719, and we're still kicking.
2: Good day. Uh, This is General Washington, and you're listening to
1: Tavern Talks. It's like he was in the room with us.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Mary, for taking the time to sit down with Dan and bring us this beautiful conversation.
1: Of course. It's always a pleasure to sit down with Dan and talk about our mutual love for the Revolutionary War. Don't forget about our farewell film premiere on Friday, December 4th at 6.30 p.m. Tickets are only a
0: dollar and they go towards fundraising for the museum. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tavern Talks and we hope to see you at Washington's farewell film premiere. Thanks for listening.